the producer, new title for uh, the Pride of Detroit, <laughs> is joining us now. And Jeremy, thanks for joining me. And uh, maybe you can help me out on this a little bit. I'm conflicted. Like, we got the highest scoring offense. That's great. We got the <laughs> yeah. worst defense. That's awful. Like, where's where should I feel? How, how where where's your balance on that? Well, I, I guess having one good thing is better than having zero good things, which I feel like is is pretty much how we felt in Detroit for a very long time. So I guess on that end, I, I feel okay. And I, I think I'm one of the rare people that still believe Aaron Glenn is a very good football coach and a very smart football coach. So I think. I feel actually kind of okay, at least compared to where I think most Lions fans are, because there's been a lot of doom and gloom in the past 48 hours. Well, you lose to Seattle in the manner that they did, and that's going to happen. Uh, Geno Smith sure. lights you up. But uh, uh, I, I've come up with some things that I think may be able to help fix the defense. Do you have any like great ideas of how Aaron Glenn can prove to you that, that you're right, that he is, in fact, a good football coach? Well, I, I think the things he has to answer for are being a good play caller, um, because again, that's that's pretty new for him, right? Like the reason why he got the all the acclaim that he got is because he's a good position coach. He's a he's a guy who can make players better at the position at their position, specifically in the secondary. And I think that is his strong suit. Play calling still is, is a big question mark for him. And I think the problem that really showed up on on Sunday against the Seahawks was predictability. Um, this is a team that's been very, very aggressive on third down, and everyone knows it's coming. And so Geno Smith said after the game, like, yeah, I checked out of a couple plays into that draw play that, that you know, gained 16 or that went for 26 on a third and 16. And, and so I, I think he just needs to do a better job of mixing things up because this is a team that has, I, is, I think, is in man coverage more so than anyone else. They're blitzing at a top five rate. And so I, I understand some of that is just dealing with limitations. You know, you can't really trust your secondary to cover for five seconds, so you need to get pressure somehow, and the front four isn't doing it on its own. Um, so there's a little bit of desperation in what he's doing, but even then, you can mix it up a little bit, and I think that's what he needs to do. Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit joining us here on The Huge Show. Uh, you, you brought up, you know, he's new to the play calling. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll go off, off schedule here a little bit. He's a guy, Aaron Glenn is a guy that's had head coaching interviews and has brought up a lot as a guy who's going to be a head coach at some point. And this is a conversation, you and I have had this conversation like off the air, like behind the scenes. The the coaching role of being a head coach is very different. Like being a good coordinator does not necessarily equate that you're going to be a good head coach. Um, do you see in his case that maybe not being a good defensive coordinator doesn't necessarily mean he won't be a good head coach? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, and that's exactly what I've kind of been thinking behind the scenes and, and kind of developing my own theory on that because, yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, you look at Dan Campbell, and I know he's better X's and O's than, than most people give him credit for, but he's delegating those things because he's a good motivator, because he's a good guy that, that, that can get the right people in the right places. And, yeah, I think Aaron Glenn could very much still be a head coaching candidate if teams are willing to look past some of the defensive performances. And I, that's really the big question, right, is how many – you know, general managers and owners out there are, are willing to look beyond some of that um, surface level stuff. And I know maybe Lions fans don't think having a horrible defense is surface level stuff, um, but but you're right in that being a head coach is is much more about you know team camaraderie and and, and hiring the right people. And I'm telling you, Aaron, Aaron Glenn's a smart guy, and and if he can 
find someone he trusts to call the defense and, and develop weekly game plans and, and call the plays um, where, you know, he recognizes his own weakness. And another thing that Dan Campbell is, is very capable of doing is recognizing his own weaknesses and, and letting someone else take care of that. And I, I think Aaron Glenn would probably be the same kind of person there. So, yeah, I think I, I don't want to say no matter what happens this year on the defensive side of the ball, I think Aaron Glenn is still a head coach, but uh, I don't think so far anything has done and anything has really decreased his chances overall um, if, at least if, in my mind, as, as being a, a viable head coach in Connecticut. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm with you on that. That's it, it's it's a conversation we're going to have to keep entertaining, and you know we're going to have to have, have it about Deuce Staley, um, the assistant head coach, at some point. Um, that's the good side of the ball right now. Let's let's talk about the offense for a little bit. It's humming along, man. 45 points. You're going to win like 99.7 percent of your games if you score 45 points. They did it without Amon Ra. They did it did it without uh, uh, DJ Shark. They did it without DeAndre Swift. Um, first off, you're you've been in in the building. What's the general mood on any of those guys coming back for Week Five? And also, just like my God, how do they keep finding ways to replace these guys like <laughs> on the fly and, and succeeding? Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of that credit I think goes to Ben Johnson. But to answer your first question there on on who might be back this week, I, I, I feel like Swift is. is pretty firmly out if i you know if i'm reading things correctly there right um there's, there's really no reason to rush him back at this point and you know they, they got that bye week next week so i think they're you know with an ankle sprain you, you want to give that as much rest as you possibly can and obviously the Lions running game has been pretty darn good with jamal williams so no reason to rush him back there um Amon Rod to me is, is more of a toss-up at this point because one that dude's a beast and he's gonna want he's gonna do everything he can to be out there on the field and and it just seems like his is Injury is, is maybe a little less severe, um, but to, to go to how they keep making it work. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to decrease Jared Goff's, uh, you know, role in all of this because he's doing a great job kind of. He's been good, man. Along. He, he's been good. And, and I think maybe one of the most surprising things about his game is um, being able to navigate the pocket because that was something he was just got awful at last year. And even the first couple games of this season, I was like, yeah, he's still trying to do that spin thing that isn't working and Ugh. taking maybe some unnecessary sacks, but he's gotten out of a couple messes here and, and kept his eyes downfield and, and made a couple big plays there. So, um, you know, I, I do think the Lions' offensive skill positions are just a little bit deep. I mean, a lot deeper than they were last year. They're basically dealing with what they were dealing with last year, and now Jared Goff kind of has that rap, you know, that rapport with, with guys like Khalif Raymond, with guys like Josh Reynolds, with guys like Quintus Sivas, even though he suffered an injury. And, and in a, in a lot of ways, TJ Hawkinson just kind of fills the void left by Amon Ra as that guy that he can trust up the middle to throw it at, at, at any at any point in any play. So um, it, it's really remarkable. And, and really the thing I, I go back to on, on Sunday is there were so many times in that game where it's just like, oh, okay, well, this is, this is where the game blows open, right? You know, oh, Jared Goff throws a, a pick six. Well, game's over. Now they're going to lose by 20. Oh, that, you know the refs make them redo a third down and they score a touchdown that well, the game's over. Well, it was never over. The Lions' offense kept them in that game. They kept bringing them back to the brink. And if they recover that onside kick, which they were pretty darn close to, they probably win that game. So uh, it, it's really close. kind of remarkable. Yeah. It was, it's, it's remarkable how much the offense kept them in that game in the business in a game. They probably had no business in staying in. Yeah. And, and, you know, you see like you have your, your kick kicker making his Detroit debut, missing two extra points. Um, his onside kick was actually pretty nice. And, uh, the officials, um, it was so nice that the officials threw a flag, even though there wasn't a penalty on it. Have you ever seen a game where two flags have been waved off by the referee? That, that was crazy to me. 
Yeah, that was bizarre. And it, it took a long discussion. They took long discussions about everything. And in, in some ways, I almost prefer that because, like, listen, you have a discussion. If, if someone throws a, fro- a flag and you go up to him and says, I didn't see it that way, and you have a discussion and get the call right, sure, fine, that's great. Um, but when it happens four or five times a game, it's just like, okay, it, it feels like this, you know, this officiating staff has never actually officiated a game together. What's what's going on? There's there's no cohesion. Everyone is seeing the game differently, and and then by the time you know that that third down redo thing happens, it's just like, okay, the wheels are falling off here. Someone needs to get it together and 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 make this game hum along. Yeah, I still don't understand what all happened there, and the explanation that we got from referee Clay Martin just did, did, didn't 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 do it for me. Uh, but uh, hopefully we won't we won't see him again for a while. Um, and, and Seahawks games with the Lions, as we know, always have a little bit of controversy. Remember 2015 and KJ Wright betting the ball out of the back of the end zone. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, now we're now we're both shaking in anger. Uh, Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit joining me. Uh, Jeremy, uh, we we can we heard this week. Levi Anzarike doesn't sound like Dan Campbell expects him to be back anytime soon. What's your read on the situation there? Uh, I have my theories, but you, you've been in the building. I haven't been in the building since uh, the the final day of training camp. So I'm curious what your vibe pulse is on, on what's going on with Levi O. And, and also, if there's any thought on on what's going on with Josh, pa- Josh Paschal, it sounds like his clock's going to get started. So we maybe have a, a good news, bad news type situation there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even when the question was brought up about Levi, you could just you could see Dan take like a big sigh and he wanted to say more, did he not? He, yeah, it, it seemed like it, um, but it, he's just, I, it, I don't know if he's tired of talking about it or he's just frustrated by the whole situation or depressed by the whole situation, but it is not good. And I, I keep telling Lions fans that at, at this point, anything that you get out of Levi, one single game you get out of Levi is above expectations at this point. Um, because I think, you know, back injuries are what they are. And considering the Lions started really optimistic this offseason about where he was, about how he was getting his strength back, and how that immediately, immediately went, went, went away when he gets injured on the first day of padded practice, um, and just no movement since. Just no improvement since then. It's been what? It's been three, it's been six three, weeks three since months? then. Yeah. 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 We, were, we were there. Like, like how did he, we didn't even see the mechanism for how he got hurt. He just sort of, like, wandered off after a rep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so, I, I mean, I, I don't want to call a guy's career a, a year and a half in, but but like I said, I, I just think expectations at this point are you're not going to see that guy for a very long time, maybe not ever. Like, I, 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 wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't expect him to play this season, and w- with a back injury that, that seems so easily re-aggravated at this point, um, anything you get out of that guy is, is, is a bonus at this point. But um, to bring it to Josh Passel, it does seem like it, it's headed in a, in a really good direction there. Um, Dan Campbell said, you know, he pretty much expects to activate him this week. We'll see him practice tomorrow um, if things go as planned. And then, yeah, the Lions have that 21-day window then to to decide whether to activate him or shut him down for the season. No reason to expect that they're going to shut him down for the season. They could certainly use the help on the defensive front. Um, but he did say on the radio this morning that it's probably going to be a couple weeks. They're not just going to throw him in there, which makes sense. He hasn't practiced since OTAs. He's a rookie. <laughs> There's a lot for him to learn in a very small amount of time to get him ready. So, um, you know, I maybe circle that that Dolphins game right after the Cowboys game is maybe his first one. I, I can live with that. You know, that that's progress. By then, we'll have John Kaminsky back. We could actually have a, a, a full defensive line at some point. That'd be that'd be nice. Ryan, right? That, I mean, that was the whole idea, right? It, it, a lot. I know um, Brett Holmes has come under a lot of fire, but the, the, the I think the plan was solid. He he built up a, a really strong, deep defensive line. It's just 
he seemed to ignore some of those injury issues that, that have now started to bite him. And he's also gotten unlucky. I mean, Romeo's injury is, is, is unlucky. And um, I would even say Pascal's injury is maybe a little bit unlucky, even though that's a re-aggravation from something he was dealing with at Kentucky. So a um, little bit of bad luck, but hopefully by the end of the season, we, we get to see what maybe the full picture looked like. But that's, of course, uh, assuming that everyone else stays healthy until then. And, and we know that's probably not going <laughs> to happen. That, that just hasn't <laughs> happened. And, and losing Tracy Walker was such a devastating blow. Uh, he, he was if, – if for those of you who don't, like – pay attention to the secondary as much except when they're getting beat tracy was the glue guy like he was the guy that made sure yeah. that everybody was where they needed to be um and now you're asking kirby joseph and and like deshaun elliott that's not really what he does um he's good at what he does but that's not what he does so that that's a yeah. loss um i'm curious i haven't broken down kirby's game yet what did what did you see from the rookie in his first start there yeah, I, I, I think it was actually mostly positive, and I know most line channels good. probably just remember that that first drive where um, that was know, not he good. Gives up the, he gives up the touchdown, but even in that play itself, like he's in the right position. It's just I think it's just a you know a learning lesson, like when to put your arms up and and, and look for the ball. He even turned his head on that play too. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think he's he's starting to settle in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I. I it's going to be a while. There's still a lot of communication breakdowns. I think him and Amani had had a play where, where one of them was wrong. It's hard to, to really know without knowing the play call there. But with so many kind of cycling names through the secondary, the, the, the communication, like you said, not having Tracy Walker there as the, as the clue. And I even asked Deshaun Elliott yesterday, like, who's going to step up and kind of be that, that vocal guy in the secondary to, to, to be almost like the, the, the quarterback of, of the defense and, he didn't say, well, not me, but he also kind of said not me because he's more, you know. Yeah, that's, that's not it, what he does. <laughs> right. It, it seems like there's a lot of guys on this defense who are really the lead-by-example type, which is great. Like, you can have those kind of guys, but you need a vocal guy, and I just don't know who it is right now anywhere on that defense, let alone just the secondary. So I think that's something that the lines really – they really need kind of this vocal, passionate guy and. I, I, maybe it's Michael Brockers, but the way he's been playing on the oh. field, I'm not sure he's going to be out there on the field much longer. Any anyway, so I hope not, man. He's been bad, dude. <laughs> yeah, and and that's another thing. Dan Campbell let slip this this morning that that John Kaminsky, their their undrafted uh, rookie guy at uh, defensive tackle, sounds like he's going to get activated this week, and, and instead of being an inactive for the first four weeks, so maybe he brings a little spark to uh, the interior pass rush that has basically been gone. Um, since, I don't know, not McKinsey days. That, um, that's, so. uh, that's encouraging. <laughs> uh, by, by the way, um, there's a lot of people that bug you and I both. Sign Sue. Uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, uh, they don't have the money. Uh, Sue probably doesn't have much interest in coming to a 1-3 and three team at this point in his career. Uh, not not a good fit at all. Yeah, uh, but that's you know that, that that's the fun part of our job is, is answering the questions that uh, are fairly easily shot down. Talking with Jeremy Reisman here from Pride of Detroit. This is Jeff Risen with Lions Wire, and uh, people like to, to pit us against each other because we work for um, <laughs> technically rival sites. Uh, I don't see it that way. I, I think there's plenty of, of room in the world for, for both of us and all of the, the great people that cover the Lions. Uh, wanted, to, wanted to get no your problem. opinion on something. Jamison Williams. Just yeah. how much is his I, – I expect him to return. My thought is is he will be back for the Dallas game. Um, if not, then then certainly Miami after that. Just how much How much do you think he brings, and, and how much do we see of him right away? Do they do they spoon-feed him in, or do they you know throw him out there and say, hey, defend this, guys? 
Yeah, it's an interesting question because, you know, Dan was talking about all those guys on the reserve injury list, and he, he almost skipped over Jamison in a way where it was just, I, a lot of people were wondering, is he, is he not going to be back right away? And I, I think it might be a little bit later than, than you're expecting, but not much. Okay. Like, I, I think I think early November, maybe towards Thanksgiving, I, I think is realistic there. They, they've really been taking their time with him, but you know, we're all starting to see the Instagram videos of him cutting. And even before Sunday's game, he was out there cutting on the, on at Ford field a little bit. So I, I think he's getting very, very close as to his immediate impact. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I, it's hard to imagine an offense that's scoring, you know, an average of 35 points a game reaching another level, but he, he can really do so much. The lines really haven't connected on a lot of deep shots yet. And so he obviously brings that to the table. And once they start hitting on that, well then now the defense is going into two deep shells and there's going to be a ton of stuff open up underneath, which means you're, you're getting Amon Ra and, and, and TJ involved and it's, it's taking people out of the box, which means your, your running game is getting even better than it is. So, I, I mean, he really rises all boats when he's out there. And obviously a lot of this is all, it really, all of it is theoretical at this point. Um, but once him and, and golf kind of get on the same level, which might take some time, right? Like, right. The, the guys haven't, they, they haven't thrown at each other at full speed yet, period. Um, so that's why, you know, I think, I think they'll probably take it a little bit slow once they activate him, maybe not give him a full set of reps every, every single week. But, um, I, I really, it, there's a reason why they spent so much draft capital on this guy, because he really does make everyone around him better. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of like the idea of having him debut against Buffalo on Thanksgiving at home. That, that, that I like, that'd be great. That, that, that's fun. Uh, get you out of here on this last question. We got the Patriots this week, and there are still quite a few guys who were coached by their offensive. He's not their coordinator, but Matt Patricia runs their offense. How's the sense in the building of the guys who were here during that time? Is there like extra incentive? Are they like chomping at the bit to get back at him, or or, or you know just the general vibe of the guys? Like Tracy Walker's obviously out, but like there's guys that were here when he was here. And now he's gone, and they're very happy that he's gone. Is is that like a big thing for them this week? Or are they trying to downplay that? I think they're going to try to downplay it mostly. Um, there, there really isn't as many uh, leftovers as as probably you'd think. Um, I, I think you're right that Tracy Walker would probably be the, the he would be the most that most likely to try to rub it in. <laughs> yeah, um, and unfortunately, he won't get that opportunity. But um, but yeah, no, I think the the lines. They they really try to avoid talking about that um, that era as much as possible, and and not in a way that's that's necessarily disrespectful or, or trying to ignore what happened, but um, almost in a way that's just like, yeah, we're we're past that. Like we're we don't want to be petty. We 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 have our own identity now. We don't need to identify ourselves as, as people who were you know mistreated by this regime. We're, we're we're treated fine now, and that's what's important. So let's focus on the here and now. And and I think that makes a lot of sense, but. Yeah, you know, behind the scenes, there are definitely some guys that are like, we got to stick to this guy, like a hundred percent. Like, you don't forget about someone who. I mean, l- let's be honest, this guy ruined some some NFL players' careers, and and some absolutely that, that have have absolutely not recovered from it since. So, um, yeah, there's there's going to be some undercurrent uh, with with a few of these guys, but I think for the most part, they're going to downplay it all week. Yeah, that's that, that. Yeah, that's certainly burning the soul. And and by the way, uh, the Patriots did just sign Jamie Collins today. So uh, old old friend that we can uh, like, and he's replacing Jelani Tavai in the lineup in New England. It's it's like we're, we're living the same nightmare all over again. 
<laughs> Jeremy, it's been great to have you on. Thanks for joining me. Jeremy Reisman from Pride to Right. Please check his stuff out. He's got a very talented staff of writers under him. Uh, I'm personally a huge fan of Alex Reno. I love that guy. Um, keep cranking out the good time, content, and I will see you soon, uh, perhaps next week, um, before the bye, we get out of here. So uh, thanks for joining me, Jeremy. Um, yeah, no problem, Jeff. Appreciate you reaching out.